Welcome to This Academic Life, episode 38. If you're interested in being a sponsor, then please contact us at sponsor at thisacademiclife.org. Hi, my name is Kim Michelle Lewis. I am a professor of physics and associate dean of research. Hi, I'm Pania Newell. I'm a professor of mechanical engineering. Hi, I'm Lucy Zhang. I'm a professor of mechanical engineering. Welcome back from the summer, everybody. The three of us took a few weeks off from recording this summer so we could take some time off, rejuvenate, and get ready for the new academic year. For many of us, the new academic year had already started this week as we're recording. As academicians, it's time to get motivated, set your calendar, and get prepared for all those lecture notes and figure out things you'd like to accomplish for this year. Being a university professor, we have quite a bit of flexibility with regard to scheduling. Besides teaching and service related obligations, you have really all the freedom of making your own hours. You choose how much time you allocate to the big threes, research, teaching, and service. It's a tremendous asset to have that flexibility, but it can also lead to stress if you don't plan it right with some structure to your time. So we thought we can get started by talking about what things do we typically do to plan out a new academic year? So maybe we'll start with Kim. How do you prepare for each academic year? Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Thanks, Lucy, for allowing me to be the first one to answer. So typically, the academic year, I am thinking about the new faculty. Most of you are teaching in an classroom. However, since I'm in an administrative role, I typically think about the academic year in terms of new faculty that are onboarding into the college. My primary responsibility as the Associate Dean of Research is to make sure the new faculty transition into the college smoothly. And the first thing I want them to start thinking about besides preparing for their classes is which proposals they're going to submit. So that's what I think about from the faculty perspective. From my personal perspective, I tend to, and I always have love gadgets and love electronic devices. So typically I splurge on a new electronic device that would help me with time management or a new calendar widget or anything that just helps me become motivated about starting the new academic semester. So this academic semester, I decided and this was a really big step for me to move into recording everything digitally. So I purchased an electronic tablet. So I am moving away from buying notebooks and buying paper calendars and writing everything in an electronic tablet. And let me tell you, it is really difficult to not have paper and pencil on my desk, but instead to have another electronic device with a stylus that I take all my notes. Another thing that I'm thinking about doing that I usually do not every academic school year, but typically every three years, I always look out for the next phone I'm going to buy that will help me manage 
phone calls that come into my office and emails. And also being able to take notes on my phone is very important because sometimes I'm walking across the campus and the faculty member spots me and they're like, Dean Lewis, I have a question about this. And you know, typically you would just have a nice casual conversation, but most often those conversations turn out to be things that I need to follow up on or I end up having action items. So I need to think about how I use my phone. And so purchasing a new phone that would allow me to just pull it out, take out my stylus and jot down a couple of notes that would allow me to transfer them when I sit back down in my office. Those are the two big things that I usually do. In this academic year, it is the electronic tablet and looking out for the next cell phone I'm gonna buy. Tanya, what about you? Do you have any new year resolution set for the academic year? Well, first of all, thanks for everybody coming back, listening to us. And also thank you, Lucy, for not asking me first, because I don't do much preparations for the, for the beginning of the academy year. I had to think, what do I do? But actually, the only thing that mm, I don't have resolutions or anything, but I spend some time to reflect to see how I can become a better teacher. And if it's a course that I've already taught, I try to go back to my lecture notes and slides and see how I can improve it. In terms of the research, obviously I need to create a timeline for the proposals that I want to write. Also think about recruitment, how I need to recruit the students and come up with, I don't know, some sort of flyers and who I need to send it to, but no fancy laptops or electronics for me. So I, so I guess I need to talk to, to Kim to see what she got. But typically it's just most of my time goes to reflections on the past year and not to do the mistakes that I did the previous year and improve. My major activity to prepare a new year is to set up my calendar and get the repeated events set up right. That of course includes teaching, office hours, and also family uh, obligations that making sure that they don't conflict. So I put those in there first because they're not typically movable. And then I would set up time or think about the time for group meetings so that that is all scheduled and squared away at the beginning of the school year. For teaching, typically I will probably start looking at it a week ahead of time before school start, making sure Blackboard is all working. I mean, not the app, uh, not the actual Blackboard. Everything uploaded, obviously the syllabus, all making sure they're up to date if it's a revision from the previous teaching time. So those are really what I usually do in terms of preparation. We all know that we can set up everything just right at the beginning, but over time, this is a nine months period, your motivation can get diminished. At the end of the school year, we all get into this survival mode. So how do we keep motivated throughout this nine months? Panya, any thoughts? I think that the first part is easy for me. Usually I love fall semester. It seems that it's shorter because of, uh, I guess, 
it sounds like we have more holidays and or fun activities happening in the uh, or fall festival events so for me the fall part is not difficult the hardest part is the spring and as soon as the weather gets nice it's like my brain is outside and I it's really difficult to stay motivated and focus on sitting in in my office and behind my desk and write proposals instead of while my mind wants to go hiking or do some fun things outside so what I do, I usually have, like you mentioned, that you have your calendar set up. I, I do those two, uh, two. And also, I'm really strict with my daily schedule. So I put things on my calendar and I try to be really disciplined and follow those. One thing that I guess it keeps me motivated <laughs> is that looking at my students and knowing that well I am responsible for them so I need to bring funding so then I get to work and write things for them and and then so basically I'm forced to but the other thing is actually is the joy that when I see that students uh, towards the end of the semester they learn something when I enter the grades we had that episode about the uh, final grades so when I put the grades that's for me it's like well okay I spent all this time put this effort into teaching and there are some good outcome out of it and that keeps me motivated for the next semester and it continues sometimes going to conferences it gets me excited and motivated to get through academic years talking to my colleagues there and meeting them at conferences like when I saw you at the conference Lucy after a couple of years of pandemic that was so exciting and refreshing so these personal connections with people that I care about and I know genuinely they care about me those are the important part of my career too Kim you're constantly on the go how do you keep yourself motivated typically I just prepare quarterly goals so every four months I have a different set of goals and they're both personal and professional. And I've even started separating the personal from household tasks. Because <laughs> usually my personal goals are self-care and then usually my house-driven goals are things that I just want to get done. And then the professional goals are kind of split into like my work goals that's connected to my portfolio in terms of how I get evaluated by the dean. And then it's separated into my personal professional goals. Like, or am I meeting my personal goals? If my personal goal is to continuing as an associate dean, what new things I want to implement next year. Or if I want to think about moving upward, up the ladder of administration, or the things that I'm doing preparing me to do that. Or if I want to just return to the faculty, what things am I putting in place? Do I have graduate students? Do Am I well connected to the undergraduate student population when I move from administration back into the classroom? So those are the kind of things that keep me motivated. And that was a long list of things that I said. I feel like that all of that keeps me motivated throughout the year. So I'm not lacking the motivation to do it. Most of the time I'm just tired. <laughs> so I'm motivated, but I'm tired. I'm ne I need sleep. But those are just some of the, the things that I think about that keeps me going throughout the year. 
finding time to do everything we really want to do is the hardest part. So for me, I like to cross things off, literally on a piece of paper. So I have a to-do list for every day, at least some main tasks I really want to accomplish no matter what. And I cross it off at the end of the day, I feel very good. So that's how I keep myself motivated in the short term. And then sometimes throughout the year, I also do similar things like Kim does. I kind of give myself rewards. If I finish writing a big proposal that I spent months on, I would prepare a trip ahead of time just to kind of reward myself at the end. It doesn't even matter the outcome of the proposal, but the fact that I put effort in is something that I would look forward to while I'm working on this ginormous project. I would set that ahead of time to keep myself motivated. And then when it's all over, I treat myself for something. So that's how I do it. Most of us, there is no issue with the lack of motivation. <laughs> it's the time that's the issue. And then also what Kim was mentioning, trying not to be tired. Those are, I guess, it's very, very hard. We are all motivated people, but <laughs> we have limited time. So my next question is, we all know that teaching is easy to plan, especially if you're teaching a course or courses that you've taught before, oftentimes revision or just revisit using some old notes can be very effective. What about research? For me, planning the research has been a challenge, but this summer I had the opportunity to really see what it feels like to have an active research group. This summer I had three undergraduate students that I was mentoring and I have decided to bring them back into my research lab this semester. And I think for me, having them around keeps me on track to those proposal deadlines because they're, con as you know, undergraduate students if this is their first research experiences, they're very demanding in terms of what to do, how to keep a lab notebook, what to report back to you. And they're always engaging you and asking you questions. And it's sort of like having a teenager in your house, air quotes, because they don't care that I'm an administrator. They don't care that I have a report due. All they care about is the fact that I've given them a research project and they need to get it done. And no matter how many times I say, I have meetings from this time to this time, they will still text me. They will still send me an email. <laughs> and so sometimes it's really good because then it keeps me engaged in the research. So I think they help me a lot. So for example, there's a research conference coming up. They already sent me an email saying they want to go. So. Now I have a deadline, a self-imposed deadline by the undergraduate students because they want to participate in this conference. And now I'm like, ah, now I got to help them get data. <laughs> so, but it's also setting me up to write a proposal because now they are generating the preliminary results for the bigger project. So I think I've learned that instead of shying away from the research when I became an administrator, it's taken me a while to realize I should have just had a few undergraduate students to kind of keep me in the loop. Lesson learned. <laughs> Tanya, any thoughts? 
Yeah, so, so for me, obviously, a motivated research team is the key. And then another thing for me is that I make lists for everything. <laughs> so I have this, I break down all the tasks and all the requirements for any proposals. And I start starting with the boring parts, like creating budgets and those things that, you know, you need to, to submit them internally. And when it's on the system, then I have to do it. <laughs> so I have to submit that proposal. There is no way <laughs> they would come after me and they say, well, you wasted our time submitting all these materials and you didn't even submit the proposal. So, so I make a list and a timeline, but I think that the most important thing that it keeps me on a schedule to take care of the research and have the research on my project is motivated team, including people in my group and also colleagues. So those discussion that when I have like a discussion with a colleague over, I don't know, coffee break, those things, they keep me motivated and excited for the research and put me genuinely, I really want to pursue them and I put them on my calendar. For me, at the beginning of each year, I don't do this all ever for every year, but oftentimes I would go through the entire grants.gov and look at any opportunities that are coming up for the year, for the next few months or whatever. And I will put them on my spreadsheet and then color code them. Like the ones I'm really interested in writing, I will label them, making sure I'm not missing those deadlines. And then the ones that I will decide when time comes, I would color it with another color code. And then throughout the year, I also try, I don't really, do this very often. At the beginning of the year, I will talk to my students to see whether we have enough material for writing up a paper. Oftentimes we do, but we never designate the time to think about the writing part. So I will talk to them and say, do we have enough results for a paper? And what would the, be the themes of these papers that we plan to write this year? So that just kind of give us some target, preliminary targets to shoot for. I wish I could do it more consistently or at least revisit every few months, but I don't. <laughs> Perhaps something to improve upon. So the last question, how do you deal with constantly incoming small tasks? We all know that they come throughout the day, throughout the week and the semester. Those small tasks or those fire hose tasks can easily fill up our day. How do you deal with them? Those income and small tasks and fire hose tasks are a really a big issue for me. It's probably the thing that drains most of my time. And unfortunately, I have not found a good way, even in the four years I've been in this position, to kind of deal with the small task and the fire hose task. Looking forward, I think the only way I believe I can deal with them is having a strong team. A lot of the administrative work is about preventative maintenance. So you know what the typical, the fire hose issues and small tasks are typically reoccurring and trying to stay ahead of that is the issue. So like if I know, okay, this is a weak spot with faculty members trying to stay ahead of that. So like this academic semester, I tried it last academic semester and it worked pretty well, but now I have office hours. So I get a large volume of emails. 
and every email is a fire hose task. This is not working, blah, blah, blah. I can't get my money. My student's not paid. It's the same thing. So I realized that when they send emails, they're flipping over tables. They're knocking their laptops off the desk. But when I've told them, hey, Dr. So-and-so, I have office hours on Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. Schedule a quick appointment for me and we can chat this out. Boom, the fire hose is like non-existent because at the end of the day, I find that they just wanted somebody to respond and make a little bit of time for them to listen. So for today, I had office hours. There were 20 minutes. I do 20 minute, you know, one-on-one -on -one, or they might bring their friend because their friend have the same issue. And 20 minutes, that email is no longer going to the president. <laughs> and so I'm starting to think that works. And at the end of each of those 20 minute phone calls today that I scheduled, they all said, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. I really appreciated it. And thing was, this is something that they could find on the website. This is something that they, but just the personal engagement of me saying, oh, you need to contact this person. Oh, what happened? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I've never heard of office hours with the deans. Our college started to have this group meetings with a bunch of junior faculty, mid-careers, but it's not the same because I don't feel comfortable sharing things when 30 other people are there. So I think that's an awesome way of creating bonding and a sense of belonging, community, and all of those, and reducing the number of the emails. And I was thinking that... You tell the dean that, oh, I have these office hours. And then you tell people, oh, I have to report to the dean. So you have excuse for both sides. <laughs> but I really love it. I think the easing people's mind because they think or they believe or they do have the access to someone to care about their issues. Just the fact it's there, it's the, the opportunities are present. Just put everybody at ease. I love it. I love it. Panya, what about you? How do you deal well, with these little small tasks? I'm not a busy person like him, but sometimes if somebody knocks on my door, obviously I can't hide. I, I need to, to answer. I can't say anything. So I'll try to take care of those walk-in requests. If I can do it right away, I'll take care of them. If not, I'll tell uh, the person that, oh, I heard you and I think about it or uh, I'll try to solve the problem. But if they are emails, I scan through it. If it's not urgent, I just put it at the, I call it my dead time when my brain is not working <laughs> properly. So I try to deal with them, answering them at not at my research time or at the time that it's allocated to something else. So email is easier for me to handle it. Uh, but when people, they come knock in, I haven't been that brave to say, sorry, I, I can't talk to you now. <laughs> or after three or four or something, come back. So those, they are the biggest interruption. And sometime I put a sign by my door not to disturb. And most of the time during the semester, I cannot do that because I feel that it's not fair to the students while they are on campus and this is their time that they need to talk. But summertime, I put that sign by my door that like, do not disturb. So my colleagues, they would not knock. But those are 
issues and it messes up with my focus. Yeah, that's great. For me, I just expect them to happen. I don't allocate time or schedule anything for those type of things. And if I expect them to happen and then when they happen, I don't feel irritated. So I expect randomness that comes into my daily schedule. I'm learning to be flexible with my time and my schedule. That needs a lot of training <laughs> on my part to make that happen. And I do often, maybe once every few months or so, revisit my calendar, making sure what's been there had been working. If not, I readjust. I try to give a little bit cushion for everything that is on my schedule so that I don't feel you know, rushed when I'm actually on a task. Thank you so much, ladies, for sharing your experiences and your thoughts and your practices. Summers are always seem too short. If you haven't prepped for the school year yet, you still have some time. So we're only at the beginning. Uh, I hope our conversations today can be a good resource for you to get the energy and motivations that you need for a productive and efficient year. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. You can follow us on Facebook and listen to our latest episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or Google Podcasts. If you're interested in being a sponsor, then please contact us at sponsor at thisacademiclife.org. Join us next time for the good, the bad, and the ugly of this academic life.